five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. I'm Mark Boucher, and welcome back to the sixth season of the Space Economy Podcast. We've got a great lineup of guests planned for this year, including today's first-time guest, Matthew Mejia of Sierra Space. For those who may not be familiar with Sierra Space, they are the 2021 spinoff from the Sierra Nevada Corporation. Matthew is the recently appointed Chief Strategy and Development Officer at Sierra Space. The timing of this interview was perfect as Sierra Space just announced today the creation of a new division, Sierra Space Ventures. Matthew explains in some details the new division, along with providing an update on their existing programs, including their space plane Dream Chaser, their planned private space station Orbital Reef, and the life habitats. Do note, the sound quality of my microphone was not optimal. Sorry about that. Though, Matthew's audio track was just fine. We'll get these technical issues sorted out for the next episode. Listen in. Welcome, Matthew, to the first episode of Season 6 of the Space Economy Podcast, and congratulations on being named Chief Strategy and Development Officer. When this interview was originally scheduled, it was going to focus broadly on Sierra Space and how the company had evolved since it was spun out in the spring of 2021 from its parent, the Sierra Nevada Corporation. However, you just announced the creation of a new division, Sierra Space Ventures, which you're going to lead. So let's discuss this new development first. Yeah, well, thanks, Mark, so much for, for having me. Pleasure to chat with you. Uh, certainly a fan of your, of your podcast. Uh, yeah, so we're really thrilled to be announcing Sierra Space uh, Ventures. Uh, we probably had a bit of a, a quiet, uh, soft launch uh, for some time, uh, but we've officially released um, the identification of the group and our focus. Um, you know, here at Sierra Space, uh, we are building a platform uh, in low Earth orbit to benefit life on Earth. And we're doing that because we think we're really at uh, quite a transition for uh, our economy and for the world. Uh, for 60 years, we've explored space. Uh, now we're commercializing space. Um, we, as, as well as the rest of, of what we think is a pretty healthy industry. Uh, and as part of that, as part of that, that platform and that ecosystem, our mission is to really give other companies, other stakeholders, uh, a platform in space to do their best work. You know, we like to say we can get you to space. Uh, we can give you a destination to do your best work. Uh, we can enable that through uh, exciting and new technologies. Uh, we can keep you safe and secure, and we can bring you home. But, but some of the companies that will ultimately uh, create those new discoveries don't even exist yet. Uh, they're being formed right now in graduate schools and with new entrepreneurs and new scientists. And so the Ventures Group uh, that we've announced uh, will really partner with those companies. And, and what we think is really compelling is that we're going to give those companies not only access to the team here uh, at Sierra Space as, with, as well as with our partners um, and, and, and capital and resources, but, but actually access to space. So the whole business model is really to, to find new and exciting startups and bring them to space with us, uh, both on our space plane, our dream chaser, uh, as well as give them an opportunity to demonstrate their work and their discoveries on our space stations. Uh, we think that's gonna be hugely valuable to those venture companies, particularly when they go out for additional capital, they'll be able to validate the fact that their resources and their discoveries uh, have operated in space through direct access through our infrastructure. 
All right, so you've given me a broad introduction. Uh, thank you for that. Um, does that answer all the whys as to why the division was created? Uh, I'm not sure it does, but uh, happy to happy to continue exploring that. You know, our focus is really still on developing our Dream Chaser space planes uh, and our Dream and our uh, space stations in partnership with Blue Origins, our, our orbital reef. Uh, that that's really still our focus. Uh, and in my role, I spend a lot of time on our corporate development and strategy. Um, but we really think there's a vibrant venture uh, community that exists today. And we think this initiative will help us stay focused. Uh, it'll draw attention to the fact that these new startups uh, can access space. It doesn't just have to be traditional space companies, uh, governments, or wealthy individuals. Uh, we're really trying to build out a platform that's accessible for as many people as possible. Uh, and we think that'll evolve over time. But this really will keep us focused um, and let these companies know that in addition to resources and capital, uh, we can actually get them into low Earth orbit uh, to help demonstrate their capabilities and their discoveries. So when you joined uh, Sierra Space uh, in February of this year, was the plan all along for you to head up the Space uh, Ventures division? Or was this a strategic change that came about after you joined the company? Well, I think, um, you know, part of our legacy uh, at Sierra Space and through our uh, former parent company, Sierra Nevada Corporation, you know, there's always been a spirit of entrepreneurialism. Uh, Sierra Nevada was started uh, by uh, two entrepreneurs. And so I think that uh, approach has always been part of our DNA, uh, both at the former company and now at Sierra Space. And so I think we've always been in touch with that aspect um, of uh, the economy and for folks who are starting up new companies. When I came on board in February, um, it wasn't to only focus on ventures. Uh, it's really to focus on the company's long-term strategy, uh, our overall corporate development, mergers and acquisitions, uh, and yes, our opportunity to invest uh, in the new venture uh, companies that are part of the space industry. Well, what type of investments are you going to focus on? Yeah, so again, um, you know, we've got a lot uh, on our plate and we've got some really amazing uh, enabling technologies, um, but we think there's a bunch out there that um, other companies are focused on. In particular, we're focusing on uh, biopharma, uh, so the, the medical industry developing new health uh, capabilities and solutions. Uh, we're looking at aspects around uh, clean energy. Um, material science, computing power. So it's really, you know, it, you've got to have a compelling reason for the space uh, environment uh, to offer up new capabilities. And we think that environment of, um, of zero gravity, of, you know, a vacuum in space, uh, even the effects of radiation can really unlock amazing things. Um, as an example, we, we've seen and, and others have, you know, you can 3D print uh, potentially uh, organs in space, for example, uh, that you can't do here on Earth. Uh, the organs literally collapse under the weight, uh, under their own weight, under gravity. Uh, in low Earth orbit, we've got the potential to actually manufacture uh, new organs for humans um, and take advantage of that microgravity. So we're, we're looking at a, a broad group uh, of applications. Literally anybody can submit one uh, on our website. Uh, we're extending that to uh, our own employees, our own partners, uh, certainly all the research universities um, and other institutions that we're affiliated with. Um, so right now we're happy to look at a lot of things. Um, you know, part of why we're doing this is that we don't think we have all the answers uh, or all the discoveries. And so we're really trying to leverage uh, a broader audience by opening up the Ventures Group. And I don't know if you can answer this one, but can you tell us how much capital you've allocated to the division? 
Yeah, so we're, we're still a private company, so we're not disclosing our uh, commitments, um, but it will be robust. Um, but in addition to capital, uh, we really think what unlocks uh, this for these companies is really the team, uh, our partners, and again, uh, actual access to space. Um, yeah, the market's a little choppy right now, uh, but the venture community has been robust. Uh, you've seen lots of new companies come into the space. Uh, and so we really think while our, our capital can be put to work um, in, in many ways, it's really unlocking access to space. Um, that's really, we think, going to be the compelling feature for the ventures group. And can you give us a little bit of insight, and, and this would be you know, so the companies who are listening to this can maybe have some more information on this. What kinds or size of investments that you would make in these companies? Is it similar to, um, you know, what they might get if they're looking for a Series A or something like that? Yeah, I, I don't think we'll go into specifics, but I would say, um, you know, as part of our own Series A, we raised uh, quite, quite a lot of resources. That was a $1.4 billion uh, capital raise in November. Uh, we're backed by investors who have uh, a lot of resources themselves and are dedicated to this industry. Uh, and as we contemplate our own future, we think access to capital will be robust, both for our interests, uh, as well as an opportunity to uh, add to the portfolio. You know, one of the things we're going to do over time is really add additional services uh, to our ecosystem. Uh, and, and we think there will be a role for Sierra Space to play as a consolidator. That will involve uh, traditional mainstream mergers and acquisitions. That's where I spend a lot of my uh, time. Uh, so those are existing companies with you know existing revenue and profit and growth. Um, we'll be we'll be entertaining those companies as we are today, uh, as well as uh, small startups. And so I think the range of investment opportunity is is really quite broad. Uh, seed funding all the way to a traditional acquisition. Now my next question might not be fair because it was something that Sierra Space did before you joined the company, uh, but I would think that you you might be up uh, you would be up to speed on this. Um, so as an example uh, of the types of companies uh, that you might bring on board, I, I recall that last September you did an MOU with a company called Space Tango, which is a startup um, in the uh, I suppose medical health field. Um, is that the type of company where you you know you, you, you signed an MOU would be the t this the type of company that would you, you would then bring into you know the ventures? You know, without um, any sort of specifics on on that particular company, which is a good partner of ours, um, I would say yes, that's often how it starts. Um, you know, we're looking at a broad range of opportunities to work with partners, some very small and, and like startups, uh, others quite large, uh, like the Blue Origins uh, of the world. And so, you know, one thing that I've known after doing this kind of work for, for a couple decades um, is that oftentimes uh, business partnerships, relationships, investments, acquisitions, they take a long time um, because you want to make sure that uh, putting capital to work makes sense for both sides. And so those often start with a you know, ca casual conversation um, uh, to find out, can the companies do more together than they can as just traditional business partners? Uh, and so, yes, you'll, you'll see us over time kind of, I think, further develop our relationships, uh, both with our own suppliers uh, as well as with others. And how many people are actually working with you on in the ventures division? Is this a small group? Is it all, you know? 
Yeah, it's a it's a small group. Again, the ventures activity is really a function of our overall corporate development. Uh, so we've got a small team uh, that works with me. Uh, we've also uh, got smart representation from our legal department uh, that's involved as well as we uh, vet opportunities. Um, I'd probably say about a half dozen people are kind of focused on these kinds of activities here at the company. You know, again, we're we're focused on first flight. We're focused on you know our main mission, uh, but we're also thinking about the future, and so we're dedicating resources, I think, accordingly. So how, this is multiple questions here, but they all tie in. Uh, how will the ventures uh, division attract startups and why would they want to partner with you? After all, there aren't many options for them. There, there are or there aren't? There are. Yeah, so um, absolutely. Um, you know, we think of Sierra Space uh, somewhat, you, you know, as a unique entity. You know, we, uh, you know, we're spun out of Sierra Nevada in 2021, but we've got 30 years of space heritage and space history. Uh, we've been on 500 missions. We've been to every location in the solar system. And, you know, while we think there are a lot of companies that will ultimately be successful uh, in space, uh, we do think we bring something different to the table. Uh, we're now at about 2,000 uh, full-time uh, employees. We've doubled our presence uh, this year uh, was part of our objectives that we laid out. And we think we offer something very different. Um, we've got true uh, space hardware, true heritage. Um, we have an ability to deploy capital. If you look at the management team that's in place, um, these are folks who ran multi-billion dollar companies. And, and we think that interest is, is resonating. Um, it certainly has happened through our uh, hiring. And, and just one st statistic I'll tell you, we uh, recently opened up our internship program for next year. It's about 60 spots. Uh, we've already had over 5,000 applications uh, for those internships, um, and we just got started. So we think there's a really a lot of interest, um, and, and what we're doing between our Dream Chaser, between our commercial space station, uh, we think that draws you know, a lot of interest. Uh, in addition, uh, uh, I and members of my team will be attending you know, a lot of events in the industry. Um, there's a uh, conference in Silicon Valley uh, literally this week focused on both commercial and military applications. Um, that, that'll be a, a ripe opportunity to interact with and spend time with others. So, you know, it'll be a traditional approach of outreach. Um, we also think folks, you know, are coming to us, frankly, in a lot of ways. And so we don't think there'll be a, a dearth of opportunities for us to assess. Now, before I pivot to uh, other topics uh, to discuss about Sierra Space, um, is there anything uh, else that we should know about the, the Ventures Division that I haven't gotten into or you haven't discussed? Well, I would say, um, you know, we're really looking for the next great space companies. Um, we think we can be an excellent partner. Um, we're going to be there to help these companies, to, to help uh, leverage our resources on their behalf. Uh, we're not looking to go change companies or, or change teams. Uh, we're really looking to be inspired by some of these companies. Uh, and we think uh, bringing them onto our platform, uh, that's always been the, the mission of Sierra Space, you know, building a, a business case and an ecosystem for utilizing uh, space as, as a platform. And so we'll start uh, here on, on terra firma with some of these venture companies uh, and bring them to space with us. Uh, we think that's pretty consistent with the strategy that we've laid out. All right, so now we're gonna pivot, but of course, everything that you've talked about um, will then fit into you know, what you've traditionally been doing the last few years, which is uh, you know, you're, you've got uh, three major programs uh, on, on the go right now. So let's pivot to, to Dream, Dream Chaser first. Um, 
Are you still on track for a, a summer 2023 launch of the uncrewed version? Yes, that's right. Obviously, you, you, you know your stuff. Um, we are. We actually have two Dream Chasers now. Uh, we've got the second uh, test vehicle, excuse me, second flight vehicle uh, here in Louisville. Um, so it's great to see the factory floor with actually uh, two space planes. Um, but yes, we're uh, on schedule for uh, summer delivery, uh, excuse me, summer uh, flight uh, to the International Space Station uh, next year. Now, I watched the video and, I, and then I read some comments online uh, in, in one of the groups. Do these uh, space planes have names now? Like I, I read one had a name, but it wasn't official. Uh, the, the first one does have a name uh, and it is official. It's uh, Tenacity, um, which uh, I think if you've seen uh, one of the videos um, that our amazing marketing team has put out there, uh, I think we named that video Tenacity as well. Uh, the second vehicle has not yet been named. It's a source of uh, quite a lot of intrigue uh, internally, and uh, I'm sure we'll be announcing that, uh, that second name uh, in, in due course. All right, so of course, jumping ahead now, um, assuming all goes well with the uncrewed uh, version, um, you're still targeting uh, a flight in 2026 for uh, a crewed version? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've always viewed uh, Dream Chaser as, as a family, uh, as a franchise of uh, uh, space planes. Uh, we're starting with the uncrewed version, uh, as you suggested. Uh, what we call internally DC-200 is um, the crewed version uh, that we're targeting for 2026. Uh, we also believe there are you know, very important national security missions uh, that can be uh, accommodated by uh, a space plane with the capabilities that, that Dream Chaser has. Uh, so we think that full family um, has got a lot to offer, uh, different stakeholders, uh, and that's, that's where we're directed. I have to say, not that I'm, uh, how do I properly phrase this? I've been following this for 18 years since the first announcement. <laughs> so seeing that, it, you know, if next year you get that summer launch, you know, that'll be uh, an incredible milestone uh, and a, a lot of work over a lot of years to, to make this happen. So uh, I'm sure, of course, you know, people at the company, especially Sierra Space itself, which is relatively new, um, you know, they may know some of the history, but I don't know if everybody's followed all the ups and downs and, and, and the way the, the program has uh, changed and matured over the years. Now, speaking of changes, uh, a month ago, you announced a, a cooperative research and development agreement with the United States Department of Defense Transportation Command uh, that would uh, develop a revolutionary, quoting, uh, HIMOC systems for terrestrial point-to-point -point delivery. Um, so tell me a little bit more about that. Well, um, uh, as you said, we, we have been at this uh, uh, for a while, and I think uh, first flight to the station next year for us really unlocks a tremendous amount of potential. And I would say there are uh, stakeholders uh, like those in the national security arena, uh, as well as in the intelligence community. Um, they're keeping a very watchful eye on that first flight. Um, Something like a dream chaser, and I obviously can't get into all the details, uh, has has a tremendous amount of capability to do a lot of different things, uh, both commercially as well as for uh, national security applications. And so we announced uh, that that Creta with uh, Transcom, uh, as you said, uh, to look at um, you know a really interesting application for for dream chaser, uh, you know high speed you know cargo delivery. Um, I think that's one of of many things uh, that that stakeholders are are looking at, uh, and. Over 
over time, we're really excited to be able to bring uh, that kind of capability to, you know, as wide an audience as possible, both commercially as well as within the national security arena. So you'll see you'll see more of that uh, to come. Um, you know, we've got a, a legacy and history, uh, both with this management team and uh, with our former parent company of, of a strong support to the national security uh, uh, stakeholder community. And we expect to continue that. I'm curious. Um, the I suppose it's now uh, the Space Force has the X-37. What, can you talk about you know if you can any differences, similarities? Um, why would they be interested in Dream Chaser over just developing in-house? Yeah, so I. I... I can't really comment too much on comparing, you know, our capabilities to others. What I would say is, you know, Dream Chaser um, is an incredibly reliable platform. You know, each space plane that we're developing uh, has a service life of 15 missions. Uh, we can land at any commercial runway, um, you know, with a very rapid access uh, to the uh, to the asset. And I think while there are other compelling solutions that are out there, this is certainly one of them. Uh, I think those stakeholders, though, are also, you know, they want to see us get to the station. Um, and so that's why we're focused uh, on that mission uh, next year. Um, but there have been a lot of conversations with a lot of folks um, to really explore uh, what the capabilities, the full capabilities of something like Dream Chaser can, can bring to bear. Uh, and I would say, uh, not necessarily speaking for them, but but they're compelling. And, and those conversations have, have become more robust over time. I remember a time when there were quite a few announcements of Dream Chaser signing an agreement and was going to, you know, land in this country or in this country. Um, is that still the plan to to, to go to different uh, different countries, different agencies, and say, hey, here's a capability. Um, you know, we've identified these places where we could, uh, you know, uh, use it in your country. Is this is this something that uh, that that you're um, that you're interested in? Are those discussions uh, renewed, ongoing with, with different space agencies and even private entities in other countries? Yeah, so I would say um, not only is it still part, I would say it's a, it's a critical aspect of our strategy uh, and the investment thesis that we used to uh, complete our Series A uh, fundraising uh, last year. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing really a new capability, a new service to a whole host of countries that have really strong interests in developing their own space uh, agencies and their own space activities, um, but frankly could never afford, you know, the International Space Station, right? That's an asset you know well. It took 40-odd missions, cost about $100 billion plus or minus. Um, and, and a lot of companies, a lot, excuse me, a lot of uh, countries uh, can't afford that, but they can't afford something like a Dream Chaser mission. Um, and we think there is such an amazing opportunity to unlock the industries in these countries. When one of our space planes uh, lands in Mumbai, or one of our space planes uh, lands in uh, Paris, uh, or you know any other commercial location, and and those countries, their own national astronauts come out of a Dream Chaser on a commercial runway. You know, we we like to think that that will inspire those countries uh, a lot, like our space programs have. And so, yes, I would say we've already made some announcements uh, regarding uh, the UK and Japan. Um, but there will be additional announcements uh, for other countries. Um, there's there's quite a number uh, 
frankly, that are interested in this capability. And again, inspiring their own, uh, you know, sort of young folks in their own industries uh, with a space plane landing, you know, domestically for all of them, uh, we think is really uh, compelling. And, and we're seeing that through all these conversations. Um, all right. So uh, any other dream chaser news uh, that you can share with us? Anything that's happened in the last month since there was, I suppose, a, a bit of an update at the, uh, I, well, not even a month, at the IAC in, in Paris? Yeah, the, uh, we had a strong team presence at IAC um, to speak with, um, you know, our traditional uh, customers, uh, as well as, frankly, a whole host of new folks um, who are, um, you know, learning some of them for the first time about uh, Dream Chaser. You know, the, the biggest news recently has been, frankly, the uh, second uh, vehicle that has arrived here now in Louisville. Uh, and we're on schedule uh, to ship uh, the first one to um, uh, Plumbrook, or I think they call it now the, the Neil Armstrong Test Facility in Ohio um, for testing uh, at, uh, in NASA's uh, facilities. Uh, and then we'll ship it to Kennedy uh, next year for, for launch to the station. So that's where we're really focused. Um, you know, we're under contract right now with NASA for seven missions uh, to the station. Uh, it's a multi-billion dollar contract. Uh, we think there'll be certainly more than, than seven missions, uh, both to support uh, ISS, uh, but also to support our own commercial station, uh, which will be up and operational in 2027. Now, I noticed in mid-September, uh, you had an announcement about the uh, Life Habitat that had successfully completed its burst pressure test. Um, so what's next in terms of uh, planning and testing for uh, the Life Habitat? Yeah, so that, that was a, a really a key um, event for us. Um, the, the team did an amazing job and uh, the materials far exceeded uh, the requirements uh, that, that we needed. Um, subsequent to that, we've announced uh, in August um, that uh, together with our partners, Blue Origin, we did complete our system design review or SDR with NASA. Um, that's really a, a key uh, transition for us to now go into actual design. Uh, basically, an SDR proves uh, or assesses uh, that the concept is feasible and achievable uh, and that we're on track to transition into the design phase. So that activity is, is you know, ramping up pretty dramatically um, with our partner, Blue uh, Origin, as, as well as with others. And um, we're on track, like I said, to uh, you know, bring uh, Orbital Reef into operation in uh, 2027. Anything else you can tell about, tell us about how the design phase is progressing right now? Just too uh, well, early, like early said, stages? Yeah, it, it, it's early stages, right? We just completed SDR um, literally in, in, in August. So uh, the teams are underway now uh, evaluating all the, you know, uh, amazing uh, uh, capabilities that Orbital Reef will bring to bear, um, both uh, internally as well as with our partners. So uh, you'll continue to see, you know, additional announcements uh, for, you know, new customers that are going to come on board. Uh, you'll conti continue to see, you know, that that whole overall program uh, advance. And I would say, uh, you know, stay tuned for some some pretty exciting developments. Now, out of curiosity, uh, there, are, there are a couple other uh, companies working on, on the same type of project. Um, Thinking of the past history of commercial crew and uh, commercial cargo, cargo program, all the different programs that have been underway in the last, you know, let's just say 10 to 15 years, um, sort of all intertwined together. Do you think uh, as, as uh, when NASA gets everybody's um, 
does its final review on all the different programs, that they should proceed with more than one, that there should be at least two of these ventures that, uh, that actually get funded to, uh, to be put into orbit? You know, I think um, we, and I, I would hope a lot would say, um, it's important to have a really healthy industry. Uh, and that means having more than one provider for major solutions. Um, we think we've got the right compelling partnership uh, with, with the folks that are on Orbital Reef. Uh, we think we bring an amazing set of capabilities, um, but there are other good companies uh, in our industry. And so we, we certainly wish luck to everybody. Um, I think you know one of the reasons we're so focused on getting Orbital Reef operational and flying uh, is because of the risk uh, to ISS. There's only, there's only one commercial space station uh, that um, uh, that NASA and, and businesses have access to, and it's slated to decommission in 2030. Um, we think that's a real risk. Uh, and so, yes, uh, we believe in redundancy. Uh, we think there's uh, enough of a market for more than one provider. Um, we think we'll be out to market first, uh, and we think we've got the best and most robust solution. Um, but I think it's important for us uh, and important stakeholders uh, to have access uh, to lower Earth orbit. And we think there's room for, you know, certainly more than one space station um, in the future. All right. And I think this is my last question. Uh, and you mentioned this earlier. Uh, last fall, uh, last November, uh, you did your uh, Series A raise of $1.4 billion. Um, I know the markets are in flux, you know, fluctuating right now, let's say, in flux. Um, are you looking at... Uh, uh, doing another raise next year, or is that something that's under consideration, or are you fine cash-wise? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we were blessed with multiple options um, last year. Um, we did feel like it was important to raise, um, you know, a lot of resources to have a very strong balance sheet. Um, you know, I, I can't say we had a crystal ball, but it, it did feel like the market was headed into, you know, choppier waters. Um, and certainly you've seen that for, you know, a lot of the companies that um, elected to go public. Uh, we, we felt like for us, and, and given where we were staying private, um, but with very uh, blue chip, robust uh, investors was the best path forward for us. Um, so we'll continue to evaluate that uh, over time. Uh, we've talked about potentially going public uh, when that time is right, uh, but we, we're under no sort of you know pressure to, to do that. Um, raising a Series A like that um, has given us you know the capital to to do a lot, and so um, we're in a we're in a a great position, frankly, uh, for our development. Uh, we'll evaluate, you know, capital and, and all of that, you know, when we need to. Well, your raise was substantial and the timing was very good. <laughs> the timing, uh, the timing was very good. Um, you know, a lot of that was through, through some amazing planning and, and some of it, frankly, was through luck. Um, we didn't see things uh, like, you know, the war in Ukraine, um, which has put such a focus on the importance of space-based assets. Um, and the markets, you know, go up and down, uh, but we're in it for the long term. And a raise like that lets us really think about uh, the future and not, you know, quarter to quarter or milestone to milestone. Uh, we're really about building the next great space company of the future. All right. Well, unless you have any other news uh, you wish to share with us, uh, I want to thank you for, for being my guest on the Space Economy podcast. And uh, Sierra, and, uh, uh, Sierra Space Progresses, uh, I hope you'll keep us posted and, and we'll be back on the show. Absolutely. Look forward to coming back. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. As always, your feedback is very much appreciated. You can send us a comment or a guest recommendation to podcast at spaceq.ca. 
You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at The Economy Space. And you can also support the podcast by writing a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. Until next time.